Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's Jackie Cation and you are listening to The Dork Forest. The website's JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com thedorkforest.com if you like a determiner. Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com. And Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song with his wife, Sarah. He composed it, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to The Dorks Forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of Zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off. And no harm, no foul, if ever bored. JackieCasia.com. Sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand-up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and there is a PayPal button on both DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com, and there's Venmo, if you like Venmo, Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, go to DorkForest.Bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a, but a lot of ones that are free from pre 2000 nine when I started pre-recording and uh, then there's a live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks. So I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some stand up. There's a story uh, album. That's very exciting there. And um, other than that, I have a lot of merch in my garage. Feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD. And uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation. Let's get into the show. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. I'm in my, my uh, garage and uh, not my living room, but sitting in what looks to be some sort of wooded uh, forest room is Brian Swartz, trumpet player uh, extraordinaire and and mash dork. But welcome to the program, Brian Swartz. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. I have never had an introduction like that. So, well, it's uh, it's the glamour of 14 years of doing the dork forest. I, I stick the landing. Hundreds of episodes. I hundreds mean, of, yeah, hundreds of episodes research coming in and wow. Yes. So, but let's let people know that it's at Brian Swartz and Swartz is S W A R T Z on Twitter. And, um, and you play, you you do a lot of studio musician stuff, but you were an Oingo Boingo forever. And, uh, and there's, yeah. Just to clarify, I've been an Oingo Boingo since, uh, well, it's, uh, since it's reincarnation, uh, in 2005. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't the original trumpet player. The original trumpet player, when the band broke up in 95, um, wow. he drifted off into the ether uh, somehow. Like, uh, Do you think he brought his trumpet? I don't know. Um, last I heard, I think he's not playing anymore. But uh, I don't know. He was a fantastic, Dale Turner, fantastic trumpet player. Um, That's neat. And, uh, real big shoes to fill. And you are a Grammy nominated, I believe, Grammy winner. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> this is, is it, a real is fine uh, point, you know, uh, that I that I always feel like I need to clarify, because my name personally is not on any of the Grammy nominations or awards, uh, although 
I played on the Dixie Chicks album that was in 2000, you know, uh, Taking the Long Way, that was 2000. That won the Grammy. It won like four or five Grammys, you know, album of the year, song of the yeah. year, all of those things. And um, and then just recently, the Monkestra, John Beasley, um, won a Grammy uh, for an arrangement that he wrote that I played on. Okay. So, so he it's. Wrote, so he's getting the Grammy, but I played on the thing. Um, Fair enough. And then there's also like the technical point that the the band was nominated for best large jazz ensemble has been three times. So I guess I am right. included in that. But what I'm saying to Rangers of the Dork Forest is that Brian Swartz is a hell of a trumpet player, and I love trumpet. And when when we actually got on the Zoom call to do this show, which you can watch on YouTube, he was playing his flugelhorn, which I played uh, poorly in uh, high school. And only really wanted to play that Chuck Mancioni song. Oh, is that so, right? Yes. <laughs> I can I can understand that. Not an easy song to play, by the way. As much, well, uh, you, you know, know. I was told I had very good embouchure. So let's leave it at that. Oh yeah, that that could be real dicey. It's hit. So, but there's the thing is, is so if people want to hear, like you're, you have an album, you have albums yourself out that people can yeah. just buy and listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And is it like if they go to Spotify or Amazon and just look up Brian Swartz trumpet, mm-hmm. it'll come up. It'll happen. Yeah, usually all all of my albums are jazz albums. I was that I've been the that I've released as a leader. Uh, starting back in uh, two thousand, I released my first one. Um, oh, cool! So I have five out now. I, my fifth one just came out during the pandemic. I released an album. Excellent. That's um, uh, but not recorded over Zoom. No, not recorded over Zoom. Actually, we just finished all of the sessions, um, like January twenty twenty. Wow. All of That's... the in-person sessions, and then I, you know, then all of the mixing was done. Uh, yeah, that can be done solo. Yeah. But but trying to play ensemble. I mean, I've tried to sing "Happy Birthday" on uh, Zoom. Yeah. It's like it's... doing rounds. It's yeah, it's nuts. There's latency. I'm even seeing, you know, I'm even seeing like a delay to your voice coming through over Zoom. So, and that's kind of, I have to not watch that. Oh, but, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, it's it's almost it's nearly impossible to do music that way. And there's and, and you know you you also just have a wide variety of people's bandwidths and all that stuff. So. It's it's really really hard to try to do something over the internet. Yes, so thank God your your new album, which came out in twenty twenty, to be with you. Is that what it's called? Precisely. Yeah. In uh, from DistroKid, and uh, to be with you, Brian Swartz. But let's actually talk about the elephant in the room, which is a little television program that you could we mash. Can I see the tattoo? Can I please see oh, the tattoo? <laughs> I, I, I the lighting think, might be bad. The lighting is very bad for it. Let me see. Oh, there, all right. It's medical. Back. Is it? No, it's not a caduceus. Um, nope. You know, the, with the 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 sword with the snake or the yeah. cross. No, it it's. I mean, and that's sideways. And it uh, looks sort of Knights of Templar, because well, because I'm 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 rotating it in my mind. Yeah, it's um, it's a. Uh, it's it's on the door of the swamp. Okay. Okay. And when what year did you get this, Brian? 
actually not until about four or five years ago, something like that. Um, well, wow, this is a love that, that trans that like, cause mash ended, I think it's 79, 82, 83. Um, okay. Was it 83? Yeah. Sounds- 83. Okay. And, um, the, um, no, the, the, but I, I I just got very curious about what that insignia was because it looks like some kind of a military insignia, also, you know, that might be on a on a on a uniform on a shoulder or something. Right. So I I started looking it up, and then discovered that it was also embossed on all of Somerset Mom's books, um, and it was a symbol that Somerset Mom was fond of. Okay. And he just so this is why this is why it seemed to mean so much to me because I liked Mash so much. But then, Mom is also my favorite author. Wow! So I was like, okay, I have to put this on my body um, <laughs> permanently. Right. You know. So, what does it mean though? Where did it come from? Well, apparently, it's um. Uh, what what did I? Uh, oh man, I looked it up. Moorish is that what it was? Yes. That actually does. I. It's not that I didn't read the copious notes that you sent me, Brian Swartz. It's just uh, I. I didn't memorize them. Uh, so. I. I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an ancient Moorish symbol that. Uh, let's see. What does it say? It brings good luck and wards off evil. And I need as much of that uh, warding off evil as I can possibly get. Oh, cool. Uh, and that's why it's on the back of my arm. So like uh, people can't give me the evil eye behind me. So that's, you know, it's a weird thing in the Armenian church, uh, the vestments, mm-hmm. there's a weird sort of vampire cape oh, okay. that, uh, that they wear and it has a high collar and that's so the devil can't get you from behind. Oh, okay. So it's well, like that. I, I get that, you know, <laughs> you do get that. I, I would not want that to happen. No, and the fact that it's on the back of your arm is outstanding. I love that with the power of the sun is how much I love that. I, lo- <laughs> I loved MASH when I was a kid. And then by the time I was in college, it, it was in syndication hardcore. Like yeah, three was, times a day they were showing. It was on a lot. Even, yeah. just, even just on like when we were in three-channel TV world, it was on all yeah. the time. Yeah, it was on, it, it was literally three channel with a UHF or UHF. Uh, I think that's right. Oh, you Whatever. had a fancy TV. Right. We had like, uh, like a fourth, like channel 18 in Milwaukee. And uh, it would show at 530. It would show at 730. It would show at 1030. Okay. And it was so after school, you'd be like, but where are they? Is what you'd always say. Is Trapper still with us? What episodes Am I about to watch? You're like, how late in the, in the Charles situation am I? Is, uh, is the guy, is, uh, the guy from Ohio, the Lebanese guy, is he wearing his uniform or is he in dresses? (laughs) The, uh, the, I, and I always actually questioned whether they were even showing them in sequence at that point. I don't know (laughs) if they were even doing, I mean, course i i guess maybe we're talking probably about the 80s um i i guess they weren't i I, maybe i wasn't that attuned to it but once once we got into once where it was on cable all the time yeah you know and i don't even remember what channel it was on but it was on cable all the time then they were showing it in sequence for sure 
And then, you know, you knew when you got to the finale, okay, great, it's going to start over. Yep. And the, the good episodes are coming again. Because that's, it really was, it was it, right out, because it was a movie, right? Um, did you was, see, the, yeah. no, no, the, the actual film oh, that it became yeah, a, a sit, yeah. Yeah, it was did a you, novel, you, then it was a movie, and then. Who wrote okay. the novel? Uh, uh, Ronald Hooker. Rich, okay. No, Richard Hooker, sorry. Okay, and then it was a movie with, I think, Sutherland? Yes, Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould. Yes. Uh, Robert Duvall was in it. He was Frank Burns in the movie. Oh, cool. And um, it was a dark was, movie, man. Allie Kellerman was Margaret Houlihan, was Hot Lips Houlihan. Hot Lips Houlihan. Okay. So did you watch it regu- Like, I don't even know. I think you're like 10 years younger than I am. But I mean, I think that the thing is, is did you watch it real time when you were a kid? Uh, you know what? I, I struggle with this sometimes to, to think, I think I did because I think my parents watched it. You know, I think everybody watched it. Everybody watched it when it was on. So, um, I seem to remember that there are episodes that I remember watching originally, you know, when they first heard, but, but again, you know, I would have, um, no, I was born in 67. So, um, so when this was airing, I was real young, you know? Right, but I I was born in '65, and so oh, okay. those two years are pretty pretty tight. I like like pretty uh, important when it comes to like remembering television. Oh, because I yeah. I can't. Um, but it looks like is because what I did was I I had you um, sort of go through and pick your favorite episodes because I just I remember watching it and just loving. Because we're we're right after Vietnam in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. When I was a child, Vietnam was was over when once I became sort of sentient, and it was vilified and 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 it was not celebrated in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mash came on, and it was sort of it did a couple of things. It made you sympathetic to people who didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And it also gave you this sort of horror of war kind of jive, uh, vibe. Well, I also think that um, both the movie and the series were sort of made in protest, you know, were more, more like a protest to war rather than a celebration of it. And and since it was at, you know, during the, since it started during the uh, the Vietnam War, it, I'm sure it was a direct protest. To oh, the, direct. Yeah. But, you know. but it did, it did humanize, you know, because I, I remember... You know, there's now they're canonized, right? Support the troops, support the troops, support the troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then it was anyone who joins the service is doing it because they want to murder people and rape babies. Yeah. And and that's sort of how I was raised. Did and you then, have relatives that went over to Vietnam? Yeah, one of my uncles uh, went to Vietnam. and uh, But we didn't, we weren't in touch with that side of the family. Um, uh, and I only found out later. Um all of my brothers had various medical, like my only my brother, Terry, I think would have been eligible for the draft bone spurs. and he, well, he had an actual bone degeneration in his hip. Oh, okay. And so he had a, one of his legs was shorter than the other. And, um, so it was real. It wasn't, it wasn't so much, it wasn't a sort of a Donald Trump, you know, kind of, <laughs> Hey, I can't go. I'm, I'm doing my hair. Yeah. And, but my brother Phil could have gone, but he is um, he is deaf in one ear. My brother Scott has epilepsy, 
And my brother, Russ, uh, was going to join the Navy. And my dad told him, I was in the Navy. Why don't you just get up at five o'clock in the morning a couple of times and see how fun that is? Uh, you, and my, as my father liked to say, you could always just leave town. You oh. don't have to join the service. You, you could just go somewhere else and if you want to get out of town. Hop on a train and just yes. have an adventure. Because my father uh, was in the Marines. Oh, really? He, yeah, he had joined the Navy in 50... Four, I think. And he got out in 60 because he heard about Vietnam. Oh. And he, so he joined in 54 and he joined the Navy and he was a medic and the, and the, the, the Marines get their medics from the Navy. Okay. He, he didn't know that. And then, so all of a sudden he's with the Marines and mm. he's like, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't last a heartbeat with these guys. Uh, they're going to go pl- very dangerous places and I'm going to die. So mm. he did not re up in 1960. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my my father was uh, a career Air Force um, bandsman. He was a trumpet player for the Air Force. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, uh, so we, you know, and I think he joined in. I want to say 57, 58. Okay. And retired. Um, I think he retired around the time that I graduated high school, eighty six. Um, wow, he was and, in for the twenty. Uh, thirty, yeah, and 30. um, and um, yeah, was um, yeah, that was yeah, that was his whole career. Uh, and um, and yeah, played music the whole time. Um, and uh, yeah, that. <laughs> but I also had an uncle who I had two uncles who went to Vietnam. One was more of a uh, you know, like a grunt soldier. The other was a um, a helicopter repairman. You know, like a mechanic. Right. Um, and so, um, uh, they are not, um, they don't freely discuss it. No, no. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like a negative experience. So, uh, a lot, yeah. And like you were saying, a lot of people, when they came home, you know, they were really, um, you know, spat on and, you know, not unfavorably. So, so what drew you, I mean, I would say what drew you to bash, except for that it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what drew me to mash. I thought it was easily one of the funniest, darkest things I had ever seen. That that's an interesting way to put it. And that's probably a lot of why, um, that there also, since I grew up not being in the military myself, but around military, there's a certain amount that I can relate to about, about all of the, just the culture around the military. Um, and you know, rank and how important it is. And, you know, yeah. You know, how the enlisted people, you know, despise the officers and officers think the enlisted people are nothing. And, you know. Right, right. They're just there to be put to work. So there's all of that. Um, but, yeah, uh, hilarious. It, you know, I think I, I try to figure this out every once in a while. And I think really what I I like over <laughs> the long period of time is um, it's just I, I can always relate to the smart ass uh, you know, Hawkeye, you know, like just the, just the constantly making some stupid comment about any particular thing. And it's, you know, you have to make a joke and I, and I currently get admonished for it every, you know, (laughs) in my day to day life. Do you feel, so you mostly relate to, um, to, to Hawkeye. I mean, he's, he's the coolest, obviously though. Uh, Trapper John 
Uh, yeah, uh, well, tra- tra- you know, there's there's so many different weird things about these characters because, you know, um, Hawkeye was, was single the whole time, mm-hmm. Trapper was married, uh, BJ Honeycutt was married, um, and, and but um, Trapper was just like, acted as though he were single, you know. And right. also, you know, th- this is the other thing that I, when I, you know, when I took this dive into making notes about this week, this week, I'm like, you know, there's, I wonder how much of this cancel culture is going to come down on this show, you know, like looking back and go, geez, they really treated women like crap. And, and, um, except for it's accurate. I mean, the thing is, is they, they treated, I mean, the thing is, is it is a slice of life. If you were to go back, I mean, so I remember as a kid watching Bewitched and I was like, what is she doing? Why is, why is she waiting on these guys? They have legs. And, uh, and so I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't know how it holds up. Have you watched some of it recently? What, MASH? MASH. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> See the thing is, yeah. it's, yeah, it's on, it. it's on Hulu. In okay. fact, I made a note. Uh, let's see, I'm currently on ep- on uh, episode, let's like, season seven, uh, episode twelve again. Um, and I say again because I and I racked my brain to think of how many times I've seen all of the seasons. Sure. And sure. I honestly can't come up with a number. And do you do you skip episodes? Uh, you cherry pick at this point. You know, there's something I I have a a, a very weird like um, uh, I, I I can't think of the word, but like um, you know, nature of of like no, I kind of feel like I need to go through all of them. Oh, okay, so you're <laughs> a completist. There's, there's yeah, there's a completist. I didn't know there was a thing for it. Um, but there, every once in a while, there's one where like I just can't watch that one again. Right, right. So, because you said your first favorite episode is in season two. Yeah. So what's well, wrong with season one? Uh, I think it wasn't, com- I think the entire um, thing wasn't fleshed out. Like everybody's roles weren't completely fleshed out at that point, And how they were writing for the characters wasn't completely fleshed out. So it's solidified by two. And so I think so. And they, and then they actually, I think by two, they were actually really starting to write, really starting to push, um, and make something a few artistic statements of course you know artistic in the in within the uh, what we're talking about <laughs> and quite honestly was <laughs> don't oh you're in a safe space Brian Swartz you uh, may, you uh, may you are in the the safest space to to talk about your love of the art that is mash which i think it actually <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day they said so did you watch comedy when you were a kid and i said no i watch sitcoms oh that's and um and I remember distinctly, I don't remember the line. That is the terrible part of this story. But it was, I wrote down a line that Charles mm. said to BJ and Hawkeye mm. in the tent. I remember where it was. I remember who the characters were. But I wrote down the line and my dad goes, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to use that line. That's a great line. because Charles. Life. Or, in everyday life, because he Charles just shut shut that shut them down. You recall what the line was? I do not. I do not, Brian Swartz. Making this story the worst story ever. But it's uh, kind of frustrating to me because I could probably yeah 
the entire scenario around. Right, right. Well, because, okay, so you say the first of your favorite episodes is season two, episode five. Uh Uh-huh. Dr. Pierce and Mr. Hyde. Which one was that? Which what? I'm sorry? Which episode? What was the plot? Well, that was the one where Hawkeye um, went through a bout of insomnia and couldn't get to sleep. And, um, And they kept having new casualties coming in, so... He would get a rush of adrenaline and then just jump back in and and so and 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 start you know working with the casualties again. And he went through like two days of doing that and then started getting delirious and just wandering around the camp. Right. And it 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 really first the first of all the thing that I liked the most about it is very early in the episode he had just come off a shift and radars trying to you know help him get into his, you know, hey, I'm supposed to get you, help you get into bed or something. So, and then a helicopter starts showing up. And so Hawkeye takes this look out the window and there's this really great shot that's taken from outside the tent and it's an, an above shot where you can see his face, you can see inside the tent and um, and it's just, a, I, a, you know, it's just a really great shot. And it's one of those shots that just sticks in my mind of like one of the better shots yeah. through the whole series. That's cool. I'd, I'd, have you ever been to the place where they, sh- sh- like, because there's, there's an old set, I think, up in the hills oh, here I in Los Angeles. My heart would explode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, maybe, I yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Maybe when you return. <laughs> it'll it'll, it'll be needed. Would be. Yes, whatever that would be. So how does, so how does, I forget how he gets to sleep. Cause I remember that episode. It was really good. Uh, I, you know, um, how does he finally get to sleep? I think he just, cause they actually tried to tranquilize him and that didn't work. And I think he just ended up just passing out and sleeping. Uh, it, but it wasn't until the end of the episode. So he went through a, a couple lot. of days, you yeah. know, a couple, three days of this delirium. Um, wow. So, um, it, yeah, so to me, that actually was a really interesting thing because he went, he went, he ended up going through this entire like soul searching thing, being in his delirium of why are we here? What is this all about? What, what is killing people about? You know, so, um, um, it, yeah, you know, yeah. really just questioned the whole, it, the whole it, meaning of war in it, general. It, Right, it really does. I remember that episode where they shot uh where he's dressed as Groucho. Mm. And um and he does a very good Groucho impression. Mm-hmm. Um but it's in the whole message is just not you know, it's it's not this glorification of war and yeah. How much they don't really want to be there and how and I believe the draft was still in effect which is why they were there right yeah it was in effect that it was actually the draft was in effect up to up through the end of vietnam i want to say but or maybe at uh yeah so sometime in the 70s they stopped the draft okay so what was so season two episode 13 i'm just looking at your list here it's Uh, called deal me out deal me out is um where uh actually pat morita is a guest on that on that episode Oh, the Japanese actor Pat Morita playing yeah. a Korean guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, <laughs> but he was an American doctor, um, right. actually, um, 
but so I don't know if he was actually. Hmm, that's I. I can't remember what his what his if name was, is. In the episode. Oh, the episode. Okay. But um, the um, and then also Alan Arbus is in that episode. Who is the the psychiatrist? You know, um, Sydney. Oh, Sydney Friedman. Can I? All right, I interrupt you, Brian Swartz. Okay, to go tell ahead. you about my personal life, which is, uh, I loved Mash so much that when I was about thirteen, my I loved it. Doctor Friedman wrote to Sigmund Freud. Yeah, that was his voiceover, right? Yeah. My entire, from when I was thirteen to when I was nineteen, mm-hmm. my diary I wrote to Sigmund Freud <laughs> because my parents told me that I was nuts. And I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to not be crazy. My, my five favorite episodes. Yeah, that's yeah. the sixth one is dear Sigmund. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, well, seventh, I guess, because I said that the finale is, is like my sixth one. You have to kind of include that in your favorites. But, um, so deal me out. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, I kind of enjoyed any of the episodes where they were sitting around playing poker. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a neat, you know, to see them enjoying some camaraderie kind of a thing. You know? Right, right. Less, less sort of helicopters and. Yeah. So, so what were they talking about at the at the pool at the poker? Yes, nonsense. You know, just the just jokes, just and stupid poker jokes. You know, so it's I, you know, and of course during that part, uh, those seasons they still had the laugh track in there. Um, which I guess they used less and less as it went along. Oh, that's right. There, it was. It was the first sitcom that didn't want to use the laugh track at all, and so mm. they didn't use the laugh track in the operating room. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay, that's right. And I remember when someone told me that, I was like, I never noticed. I just either laughed or didn't laugh. Well, I know that when Laura catches me watching Mash. <laughs> Laura House been on the show at least twice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, she says, "I don't know how you can stand the laugh track." You know, that's the one thing she can't stand about it. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, because it just, you know, who who knows who these people are that were actually laughing? You know. <laughs> so yeah, so that's uh, 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 that's a bizarre thing, um, and um, and actually, here's the thing: I don't know if you know on the DVDs. You can, you can silence the laugh track. Oh my gosh! Really? You—that's yeah. one of the DVD extras in the on the Mash DVDs. Yes, that's kind well, of awesome. Now I only have the first four seasons on DVD. They were gifted to me, and I think that's probably fine. I mean, season five was okay, but they do t- tend to get a little dodgy as we go along. They get very just overacted throughout the through the course of like after after i once i get past where frank burns leaves i just i i just about can't handle it it's yeah when frank burns leaves that that is that is i think everyone agrees that that is where there's trouble and there are good episodes with charles but there are but there is no enemy you know there is no bad guy when frank burns leaves yeah so uh and then hulahan becomes you know, just sort of this tragic figure in a sitcom. <laughs> so, well, and you know, again, to bring up Laura, I've I've asked her about this because there are so many times where it just seems, especially in the later years, that that Houlihan is just um, yelling, you know, 
yelling. And I and I asked her one time, why does she just yell all the time? She goes, her part was written by men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just she she's hysterical and and a nymphomaniac in the beginning, and she's hysterical and tragic by the end of it. Yeah, I liked her better in the beginning, and uh, and there's only one. There's one or two episodes where she gets to be human and they mm. get to know that. And, but there's, it has, it does, it isn't particularly, it isn't good for women at all. It isn't a show for women. It was one of those shows where you watched it as a girl or as a mm. woman going, well, I'm going to have to just try to just think of the humanity and relate to the humanity and not relate to the male female thing. Right. Because she wasn't a whole person, right? I mean, and none of them particularly were. They mm-hmm. they all had glimpses into, like, there's there's episodes where Alan Alda's writing to his dad. There were, like, three different episodes like that, yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking that those were pretty sweet. They are, yeah. Some of them, uh, like, my favorite character was Radar, quite honestly. Just because hmm. I, for some reason, related to him the most. Mm. I um, I think that I think he's essential to the the show working, but I got to say he's not he's not always my favorite. There are places where, like he like an episode was featured, you know, where he was featured, where I'm just like, yeah, they really tried really hard to make that about him, and and. Right. You know, like they're trying to make him fall in love with a woman who likes, who likes, uh, you know, uh, Tolstoy and Bach and, you know, all of that stuff. Oh, and, right, right. They do the sort of the, the Pinocchio thing. It's not Pinocchio. It's, uh, it's the <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet Pimpernel, who was the one who had the lines and would feed them to somebody. Oh, oh, some- oh, oh, uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah, yeah. You know, it. That's uh, that's how the Dork Forest goes, by the way, is that we go from a Disney classic to uh, the actual right answer. So um, with and is, we did it without researching it. Aren't we proud? We of did. Ourselves? We did. Yeah, we are. Is the third episode, season three, episode 11, Adam's rib. Is that the one with the coleslaw? That is the one with the coleslaw. And he orders the ribs from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because he got a craving, you know, because they had had the same food for like. 21 days or something like that you know yeah my brother russ and my brother phil references the coleslaw episode on the regular oh well it's funny that you would call it the coleslaw episode because the punchline is they forgot (laughs) the coleslaw exactly you know yeah so uh you sent all the way to chicago and no coleslaw Right. It's and that is a very good episode. And um the fact that it got there, I remember a couple of times trying to figure out sort of the postal service mm. and how how it got there still edible kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Have you well, ever they go into pretty great detail in the episode about <laughs> they make sure it's packaged as medical, you know, supplies and you know Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. So uh yeah. And uh, and the, well, what do you, what do you, what about the barbecue sauce? Well, we can't use real blood in uh, you know in in experiments, so we use barbecue sauce. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny! It was um, what about um, 
this next one, season three, episode 24, Abyssinia Henry. I don't even know okay. what that is. Uh, that is when Henry gets uh, killed off. Uh, oh, like, shit. I have to tell you that I saw that live. Uh-huh. And, I think a lot of people did. Um, and I sobbed like a baby. Yeah. I just, I, it's so weird when a sitcom will make you cry. And mm. a character where you're just like, wait, they did they just kill a guy at a sitcom? You know, like previously yeah. you're just watching Brady Bunch, right? Right. right. And the Beverly Hillbillies. They're not going to kill off Granny. And she's 100 right. years old. Right. Unless, but, and what they would do previously is they would kill her off and then just replace her with somebody who looked kind of like her. <laughs> you know, like, right. like, in, like in Bewitched, you know, they changed right. the husbands, you know. And they did not mention why. They, they didn't say anything about it. Just a guy whose name is also Dick. Yep. And then he's going to play Darren. Dick York, Dick Sargent, okay. I guess the and he looks close enough like okay, fine. Get it. That's hilarious. It's uh I think that it's important. Um I was just thinking about how MASH itself might kind of it kind of reminds me. Well, hello Laura House, who's doing <laughs> Hello. Hello. I'm interviewing I can't hear. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'm I'm video bombing. You you're zoom bombing uh this dork forest with Brian Swartz. Mash, uh, this... mash, 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 mash. <laughs> Clinger. Who is Clinger? Rizzo. Clinger. Here uh what what should I ask Brian about Mash? Oh gosh, I don't know what you've been nothing talking about, but I can tell you he loves Frank Burns. Oh, well, <laughs> let's find out why. Okay. Ryan, why do you like Frank Burns? I, well, first of all, the great Laura House people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I just like actually how they tormented him. I, I think that's really what it is. Because <laughs> he's, that, he's that jerk that was always, you know, that was always around when you were at whatever age. There's jerks at any age. but and And you wish that there was somebody who would just, torment this person so that you know you didn't have to and so i don't know i really enjoyed watching that um and right, that's, that's another reason why the first four or five seasons are better right and then and he is he's very much a guy that has power that abuses the power right and so he's not it's not punching down at all because he is he is a major and they are captains. Right. Um, they don't care. Yeah. That he is a major and they are captains. Right. Uh, he is having an affair with Hot Lips Houlihan, right? Uh-huh. And um <laughs> I don't know what to say. This is a real <laughs> clock eater, though, I will tell you that. <laughs> Laura House Zoom bombing the show, you guys. Very important. <laughs> Look how adorable they are, though. Rangers of the Dork Forest. Pardon? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, boy. You got to watch this on YouTube because it's important to uh, see how adorable Laura House and Brian Swartz are. And I, I, I will leave you, but I do want to say I have walked in on him watching MASH so many times. It's like he's what it's his porn. 
like, he, like, he will like, oh, I was just, um, <laughs> he, will he will be watching it on his own DVDs. Even though they're all on Hulu, there's easier ways. He's like, no, no, I wanted the exact episode on the cartridge of my choice, et cetera, whatever. He can turn off the laugh track, Laura House. I don't think you understand. You can yeah. turn off the laugh track. On the DVD. On the DVD. You can turn off the laugh track. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't understand. So you should like it because of that. You should like the DVDs because it uh, never mind. Right, right. <laughs> you don't have to get it. All right. Love you guys. Love you too. Uh let me say again, the Dork Forest, a safe space. <laughs> you get to love Mash as much as you want, Brian Swords. Um uh, uh, uh yeah. So no, I really I I really enjoy how much they torment Frank Burns and how, how he just keeps coming, you know. He right. just never, he just never seems to, it never, it, it never, it just never gets old for me to see him get it. And there's no arc. There's no arc with him at all. Like he never learns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. He remains a terrible person until he is sent home and given a really sweet civilian gig, if I remember correctly. Uh, he got, from what I remember, he got promoted. Uh, he got promoted to Lieutenant Colonel. Wow. And this was after, you know, this is, I think, I can't remember if it was the end of season five or beginning of season five or somewhere in season five, he, um, Margaret gets married and he, you know, tr shows up, try, you know, trying to uh, foil the wedding, but he went to the wrong place and, and then oh, he, right. got, you know, and he was drunk and got thrown in jail. And then, I, I don't know, somehow he got promoted and sent home. So <laughs> Um, I have to say, there are lines from Mash that I that I that I think of, like lipless yeah. wonder. <laughs> that, that. that is a Frank Burns reference, also. <laughs> it is uh, the Frank Burns uh, episode where I can go in, I can go out, I can go in, I can go out. He's yes. not under house arrest. It turns out, right? Because uh, well, he said that to Hawkeye uh, when because Hawkeye was under house arrest. And then in the same episode, uh, uh, he Frank got mistaken. I don't know how to say this, but you know, like he he got accused. Somebody yelled rape on him. Okay, and and they, and he was like, "No, I wasn't." You know, uh, I can't remember the actress's name who was the guest star on that show, but um, but just to to get out of being caught with him, she yelled rape, and so like he got caught with her. And um, and then he got he was under arrest, and then Hawkeye later did the same thing back to him. See, I can go in, I can go out. I can. <laughs> um, and it's nice to be nice to the nice. That's my other. That's my third Frank Burns line. Uh, yeah, that's from one of the first episodes. If not, no, it's no. That's from the the one where Henry brought home a very young, like twenty. 21 girl 21 year old right a, a young woman who he uh, was sleeping with yeah cheating was, on his wife and he was going to leave his wife and so he was introducing to the girl to everybody and that's right there was there was some there was some good topics like there was the one guy who with bj um it was like the the tall blonde soldier who had a a, a non-wife and baby that he was just going to go home because he was going home mm. and he was going to leave his wife and his, his his 
the mother of his child who is Korean and his baby. Mm -hmm. And I think BJ was taking, or was it radar? It was radar. Okay. Who was, who was helping with the, the mother and child? Yeah. What, what ended, what was, what was happening originally was the, the guy was going home and he goes, Hey, I have something I want you to take care of. And, and, and he introduced him to this woman Right, these people. <laughs> well, and then and then he was like, "Oh, you have a you have a baby too." And then he was like, "Oh, oh, you want me to take care of both of them?" And and he's like, "Yeah." And uh, okay, see ya. Take, have fun. And it was like the guy just left. Right. And, and then later came back and was like, "No, I can't. I can't do it. I have to take you with me." So he the guy ended up coming back to take. Right, right. the The guy ended up uh, <laughs> being um, part of the solution. And uh, admitting that he had a, a wife and child, that but he, yeah. He, yeah. And then there was another time where Radar got accused of fathering a child by somebody else, uh, by another woman, um, who just said, "Oh yeah, it was him. He said he was a doctor, and you know." And oh we right. Together and and uh, but Radar was like, uh, "No, I didn't do it, but I do, I do do it, but I didn't do this." Oh right, right. There's a lot of uh, talk about how Radar is super innocent. And I yeah. think that was one of the things I liked about him is because he his character was from Iowa, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. Yep. And um, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. And then um in Wisconsin, you know, it's just it's right there with Iowa. And so I, I I felt like I related to him. Well, I grew up uh part of one of the places my dad was stationed in the Air Force was off at Air Force Base, which is in Bellevue, Nebraska. So right outside of Omaha. So I have experienced the tundra that is Nebraska for sure. I've done Nebraska. I've even done Bellevue. No. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. The wind will cut you in half and count the rings in the winter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In North I've Dakota as well. I've experienced that, uh, that wind chill factor for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, gnarly. We Seriously. were there for most of my grade school years, yeah. Oh, really? Were you ever, was your dad ever stationed in Minot? No. That's Alaska, <laughs> isn't it? No, it's uh, by not North Dakota. North Dakota, no. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of if North Dakota were a country, it would be uh, a nuclear power. It would be the most powerful country in the world as far as uh, nukes. Okay. Yeah, because that's where all the silos are. Oh, that's um, where the silos are. Well, the off at uh, outside of Omaha is the was the bomber headquarters at the time. You know, so that's where all the B fifty two bombers were. Oh, right. And your dad was in the marching band. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, uh, not not a fighter. He's a, he's a lover, not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. He's a <laughs> trumpet player, not a fighter. And uh, so um, so when Henry dies, mm. then and then Colonel Potter? Colonel Potter shows up. Right. And he is awesome. Uh, those were some of my favorite. I mean, as much as I like the Trapper Henry Frank Burns, mm -hmm. those first episodes with the, you know, three episodes in, I would say Colonel Potter's my favorite. Okay. I'll go, I'll go along with like the beginning of Colonel Potter being there, but after, after a short period of time, it started getting. But it great on you a little. It, it really does because they really started to write for this, you know, guy from Hannibal, Missouri. And, you know, and so he had all of these weird sayings that he would say, and, you know, 
Yeah, and he had and the horse stuff. Yeah, and- had the horse, you know. Uh, you know, and 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 to me that that just got a little bit. That's a little bit too much for me. Right, <laughs> right. They, that they overwrite for somebody like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh. So what is what's season five, episode seventeen, dear ma? Uh, five seven, dear ma. Oh, four seventeen. Um, dear ma is when radar writes home. Oh. So that is a, an episode featuring Radar that I really liked. Okay. It starts out with him typing, uh, and, and you know, it, it, he's just got, he just had this nice, they did have a nice way of presenting him in an innocent way where he would say things that, you know, didn't, you know, he didn't know what he was saying and, or, you know, like. Right. He His, that actor had really, really good timing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can tell that by how much, you know, when he was on Match Game also, you know. <laughs> oh, I love Match Game. And uh but the the way as was Klinger. Klinger Jamie um whatever. Jamie Farr. Jamie Farr. Farr, that's it. Um yeah, when they the the whole ensemble cast was clearly just really good at it was it felt like, you know, as much as Alan Alda was the star or the mm-hmm. breakout star, Mm-hmm. It did feel more ensemble cast than a lot of a, a lot of sitcoms. Yeah, and they and they had worked out a lot of timing, and I, I I mean they did so many episodes. You know these these see I we watch shows now and these and the seasons are like nine episodes, eleven episodes. These seasons of Mash are like twenty four episodes. Right, I noticed that one of your least favorite episodes. Well, Abyssinia Henry is episode. 24 in season three you say yeah yeah and then but there's episode 25 in season eight april yeah. fools which one is what is that i don't even april just, eight the eighth season that was just it was like nails on a chalkboard most of the yeah, time i you know again i think every once in a while they would get inspired you know and have like really good episodes that were in some of these seasons and 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 I and I'm and I know year after year they were getting like nomination Emmy nominations weren't they and and, and yeah stuff like that so but um but there were just some real clunkers A- April Fools is where they're all just I mean obviously it's April Fools Day and they're they they're making an episode about pranking each other on uh and the and the whole premise is. Okay, BJ is the ultimate, you know, Hawkeye thinks he's the ultimate prankster, but BJ's like, nah, I, I really don't think you are. I think I am. And he goes, I bet I could get everybody, you know, I could prank everybody. And then and then Hawkeye's, yeah, well, I bet I'll, I'll be the last one that you do. And what, what ends up happening is he pranks. The only one who actually gets pranked is Hawkeye. And everybody was in on acting as though they had gotten pranked. Okay. Yeah. That's exhausting. It's painful. <laughs> and the dialogue that ensues with all of that and acting as though this just happened, you know, these things just ha- it's uh it's it's really it is very painful to watch. <laughs> so consequently when I get to this point in the in the series and if I'm watching, you know, like I said I'm on episodes or you know Season seven, twelve, right now. If I look it up on Hulu, which because they got all the episodes, yeah, 
that's what I'm currently on. I just, I just get to a point where I'm like, ah, gee, uh, okay. I feel like I really just need to push through this. <laughs> and, and to be, I to would be love honest, to give you permission to blow off any episode that you. A lot of this is like it's something that I put on. It's my nap show. You know, the show okay. that I put on when I'm going to take a nap or if I can't sleep. And there were, you know, several years where. I, you know, it was hard to sleep and it's, there and was it's nobody soothing. watching and it didn't matter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it is soothing quite honestly. And, uh, what about the episode? Do you remember the episode where, uh, we find out what BJ honey got, what the BJ stands for? Oh, it stands for B and J. Right. His parents <laughs> names were B. His mom was B and his, and, her, and his dad was J. Yeah. I remember. I was like, is this what the whole episode is going to be about? Yeah. And then it actually, I did not, that had a pretty good payoff for me. I was all right with really? that. Well, but the, what, what is it really the whole thing about the, the it's double entendre, you know, that they're trying oh, not right, to right. actually use the BJ, the, the beach, <laughs> a BJ joke, uh, possibly BJ joke. you would think I would recognize more, 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 um, more more dick jokes than I do. <laughs> Sadly. Uh so yeah, there's I mean Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's it's just a painful thing for me to, to and I make myself go through it. And that's the worst that's the worst part about it is I make myself endure the pain. Yes. <laughs> but I, here's the thing. I I have to tell you that um that the fact that you put you're like you have to put the finale on your favorites. Uh-huh. I remember watching that finale in real time and thinking, "Nope, this is overkill. Mm. This is way too much." Mm-hmm. And it it felt like you know, just so much like the the. It, it felt like a Harry Chapin song that had gone on way too long, <laughs> and. I was like, you're killing me. So, uh, yeah. Um, no, I, and I get that. I, again, I, I kind of fall back on that. I, I, there are not, there are not enough episodes that have Alan Arbus in them, uh, uh, Sidney Friedman. Okay. So that's one of the ones where he's heavily involved. Um, Oh, okay. there's only about six episodes that he's actually in in the entire run, I think. Maybe. Well, the I just remember that it was long the season. Maybe it was just too sure, long. Two and, two and a half hours. Oh but. God, it's just it's and, a sitcom. It should be. And I 30 think that's actual two and a half hours, not two and a half hours with commercials. You right, know? not two forty-five minutes and a twenty-two minute. We're right. talking literally two and a half hours. So. I mean, is it just, I mean, I love closure as much as the next person, <laughs> but I just, I don't need, it just, you don't I need two and a half hours of closure. Is that I, what you, I, I, it, there must've been just too much minutia for me because I'm sure that there were some great scenes in that, in that final episode. Mm-hmm. There are, um, this is your cue to tell me them. Oh, well, <laughs> all of the, the revelations that Hawkeye had about, um, the horrors of war and how, and how his psyche covered them up while he was in the middle of them. And then, and then 
realizing, okay, it's okay to have the, to realize that you're in the middle of horror. Right. You know, um, and that's the, actually probably the only way you're going to live through it. Right. Realize that that's what you're in the middle of. Not to, not, not to let your mind make it something else. And right. it's, it's, it's really weird to think of it because, um, I mean, the, I don't, and I certainly don't mean to trivialize the Korean war, but it was, it was, uh, I think two years. And yeah. so a lot of this I've done, I've done a lot of research and about the Korean war. And so like a lot of this is, I, I don't know where they came up with all of the, the detail that they go into, um, well, the Korean War was, was um, I remember watching it with my dad and my dad going, you know, one of the interesting things about why we pulled out of, the, out of Korea was because of the demilitarized zones. And MacArthur, and I, I could be misremembering this, and it's a story from Elliot Cation. So a couple of grains of salt, American public. Okay. Uh, so that... Um, MacArthur led troops over the deep, uh, the into North Korea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, wait, from North Korea, I think into China, actually. Oh. And the Chinese fought back. And my dad was like, there were so many soldiers for in the Chinese army that they didn't have enough guns for all of the soldiers. Mm. So when some of them just had, uh, they were just carrying sticks. Mm. And uh, when someone was killed in front of them with a gun, they would pick up the gun and keep coming. Oh, and he okay. said it was just waves and waves of soldiers that eventually the United States was like, oh, I have to, we have to get out of here. Let's just call this, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's call, call this a, a, a draw. How do we call this a draw? Yeah, well, and there it stood. Um, it still stands actually that way. Um, yeah. Which is again reinforcing the point that what is the point of all of that? I mean, um, right. Um, but um, yeah. So that hmm, yeah, MacArthur. Yeah, was starting. Yeah, was starting to try to. He was trying to start something with with China. Sure. Um, right. I think he had. He. I think he definitely had political aspirations that it, that never really manifested um but he might have even thought he was above that i mean wasn't wasn't he fired by eisenhower was it eisenhower that fired him or was oh could have been truman but um eisenhower came in in 52 because kennedy was elected in 60 so and truman had been there since since roosevelt died roosevelt died yeah and um, well, in fifty two, it was it was. Didn't Truman win in fifty? Hi, there's there's definitely some shouting at at people's iPods. <laughs> Who's listening to this on an iPod, you guys? Ooh. And uh, so, <laughs> but the uh, we'll have to do another dork forest about the Korean War because um, what they were doing is they were conflating all of the you know they were it was all a parable about Vietnam. But they were mm-hmm. set in Korea, so they were trying mm-hmm. to use Korea. Yeah. And, um, you know, as the people left the show, you know, I mean, there mm-hmm. was Klinger was left at the end, mm-hmm. Alan Alda and, and BJ, right? 
Were mm-hmm. the, and and Houlihan. Houlihan and Potter, yeah. Okay. And that's who were left from the beginning. Yeah, well, actually, the only ones that were all the way through the show were Houlihan and Pierce and um, Radar, but Radar left, yeah. So Klinger came on pretty early, um, I want to say in like within the first season, but he wasn't in the first several episodes. Right, and he was going for a Section 8, which is when I learned what a Section 8 was. Sure, but I mean... What and wearing and just and by wearing dresses just constantly and coming up with new ways to do that and look well, it's like wacky. it's it's wacky. That's that I'm pretty sure that's Laura's favorite is Klinger doing that stuff. I don't know. Uh, it appeals to her silliness. Although you know, as it went when when Klinger stopped wearing dresses, it's yeah, when yeah. It stopped being funny too. I think right, uh, right. A lot of the show, a lot of things got lost in. And there was an episode where, um, where I think it was Sidney Freeman said, "I'm okay. You can get out of the army. I'm just going to list you as a homosexual and a transvestite yeah. and a transvestite." And he was like, "Well, you can't do that. I have to go back to Toledo. I ain't any of those. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, so it, I think it just led it. It's so interesting how slow civilization does move." Mm. And how television can actually make it do a little leapfrogging, right? I mean, right. the Will and Grace TV show mm-hmm. was not my favorite show. I was I was done watching sitcoms by the time Will and Grace came out. Yeah, can't and, say I was. And but it did more to normalize homosexuality. Oh, okay. Than a lot, you know, than most things. Okay. Um, and it was. It came out, and a year later, because it was a hit, um, or I, I forget the order of operations of this, but there was a gay character in a lot of, in almost every show. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were like, oh, you have to have a a, a, a gay friend. Mm-hmm. And then Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, or whatever, that mm-hmm. came out. and then And then there was the backlash of, well, it doesn't have to be quite so overt. Because people's sexuality doesn't have to be their entire personality, you know? Right. And uh, and we don't have to go with the caricatures. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when I think about what we learned from um from MASH, what do you what do you think? I think we did. I think we learned a lot from it. Well I another thing that I was thinking about yeah, I suppose you you learned how to how to carry a character all the way through all of these seasons and be consistent, you know, with that character's personality. But um but but now when I see when I when I watch shows now, it seems like there's just more of a they they do concentrate more on like an arc to a season. Like these were these were all just one-off episodes. Like you could watch any one of these episodes and it wouldn't ruin the sequence of the episodes at all. Right. They were all monster of the week kind of things. They all stood yeah. alone. Yeah. And, but I think that it it did it it did all kinds of great things, I think, for society, Bash did. Like it normalized PTSD. Yeah. It normalized sort of um a dislike of war. It 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 helped I I even think that it helped with Asian 
you know, a normalization of, of I know of, that is I know that is the takeaway from some of it, although there's a lot there was a lot of controversy about that there were different um people from different countries representing Koreans. Oh you know? always. You were just like, uh there are more Koreans than there are plenty of Korean actors that they could have found. And yeah. and not to say that they didn't use great actors also, like Mako is a great actor. He's in a couple of episodes, you know. But like um uh, um, and uh, and Pat Morita, obviously, great actor. Kelly Nakamura, uh, the woman that played Nurse Kelly, fantastic. You know, she was charming the whole time. She was in a lot of the seasons, by the way. Right. Um, but um, the um, the but you know, I know at the time Margaret Houlihan's character was sort of uh, sort of they were trying to really embody the women's movement at that time, also. Um, and, and, and looking back in it, you're like, well, they failed, but at the time they didn't fail because they were, what they were doing, what, and what they do with sitcoms and television and movies and all this stuff is sort of just push it a little bit, you know? Uh-huh. And so we have, we have wacky dressed Klinger, um, who can't, who, who can't accept homosexuality or, or transvestites, mm-hmm. um, but he is also part of the normalization that people are different, you know? Right. And I think that there's like, I don't know how I haven't watched it in so long. I haven't, I don't know how it holds up, but it, those first couple of seasons, I'm sure there's some stuff that's jarring, but the, the, the amount of drinking is stunning. Those are the kind of things that I look back on and I go, oh, my God, that's that's a lot of drinking that's going on. There's the amount of womanizing that's going on. And right. the demeaning of women is mm-hmm. is astonishing, mm-hmm. you know, um, the uh, but but again, like you mentioned earlier, these are the I think these are the kind of things that were going on in the military also, you know, that's. Sure. And they're still going on. And and I think that they, what they were trying to do is that they were trying to. <clears throat> they had a different point and purpose. They were trying to trying to talk about war. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to talk, and 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 as the show began, they're like, "Well, we should also talk about feminism. We should also talk about racism. We mm-hmm. should also talk about abandoning your family. We should mm-hmm. also talk about psychological PTSD." And you know, and and it and and that's kind of why it got a little muddy in the in the later years, right? Um. Yeah, and they did, and they did deal with racism. I mean, that uh, there are a couple of specific episodes where they deal with uh, an officer who is being directly racist, and you know, and um, but um, um, you know, there's, and it, it's also relative to the time, you know, um, you know, like I said, I like about Margaret being, you know, a strong woman in a role like that. It's all relative to the time how it was portrayed and all of that so um meaning relative to the time that it was made not necessarily i mean i guess and it was also portrayed relative to the time that it was supposed to be representing right Um, right so i don't know it's um but those are the eh, you know you look back at it and you go was did they did they do enough or were they pushing the edge i don't know um is it i i and i actually have a hard time with understanding even what the term does it hold up mean 
Um, oh, interesting. Well, because, do you still enjoy it? Well, if I watch, if I watch one of my favorite movies when I was young, like Animal House or something like that, I don't, I don't separate it from the time that I saw it necessarily. I, st it seems like one experience. So, like watching that kind of like brings me back to that time that I saw it. Oh, okay. You know? Which is, I think, why Star Wars is so. Like, because yeah. I because I'll watch Star Wars now, and when I saw it when I was eleven, it blew my mind, and I Did watch I, it. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I interrupted you. <laughs> no, that's all right. You had a question. I want to hear no. it. Did you see what I wrote about Star Wars when it came out? No. I in my notes, I I went to see Star Wars and sat in the theater five showings in a row. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it blew out. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was really, really good. Yeah, and I was like 10, and I guess they let, you know, parents just let their kids do anything they wanted uh, in the sure. 70s. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> there was not a lot of direction, but uh, the uh, they were like, go out, come back when I tell you to come back, and go wash your hands. And yeah. so, um, but the, the real situation is that, um, is, is, is I, I can watch Star Wars now and separate it mm. from that first time. Mm. And I could say, well, I still enjoy it. I still, mm -hmm. I still want to watch it. Uh, not as often, not five times in a row anymore. Sure. Um, but, and, and I can see some of the, some of the problems with anything that I saw when I was 10, mm. there's a window when you have to see some things. Mm. And, um, I think I think that uh I just I'm just curious when I say does it hold up is it still funny like are there things that don't make you cringe when you laugh How many times can you listen to the same joke and laugh at it though That's another question I mean Well that's Laura's question to you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that's true uh, I bet you do laugh uh, I, t uh, maybe not, you know, um, it's funny though, uh, because yeah. And again, I, I, I don't think this compulsion, whatever, on whatever level it is, is, is about actually making myself laugh whenever I watch it. It's more just like sort of recreating, like we're saying, recreating a time, a feeling, uh, you know, taking okay, me back okay. where I don't, where I can kind of check out. I go, okay, I know this. I know what's going on here. I know what's about to happen. I can, you know, like I follow the, there's a couple of MASH fan things on Twitter that I follow and, and they put up a picture and I go and I say what the line is that's going on in the picture. But there's also 16 other people that have said the line that's going on in that picture. <laughs> You're but never still, alone. No, no, I'm not alone. Of course it's Twitter. You're never alone on Twitter. <laughs> Brian Swartz, I have to tell you that we are over an hour at this point. And yeah. uh, we've, we've, I think we've gotten a pretty good idea for someone who maybe hasn't seen mash ever that you could watch it. Uh, and, yeah. and if you do watch it, we would both, I think like to know if you think it holds up and, uh, <laughs> or at least I want to know it. Brian Swartz, by the way, is at Brian Swartz on Twitter and um, it's Brian And 
he is a trumpet player. He has a jazz uh, group that he has five jazz albums. His current album is called To Be With You. Came out in 2020 on DistroKid. And um, do you uh, play with the Monkestra Big Band and the Oingo Boingo former members? And you do a lot of studio work. And people should find your trumpet playing because it's outstanding. Oh, that's really nice of you to say. Um yeah, and hopefully we'll get to where you can hear me play with these groups again uh, real soon. Probably maybe by the fall, you know, things okay. will start happening for music. Music has been really devastated during all of this. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's really hard to say. And I also, but I also advocate for musicians not going out to play unless it's completely safe, you know. Yeah, yeah. Try not to create a mosh pit of a virus. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want that either. Yeah. yeah so yeah. um get you know, vaccinated, I'm, folks. Uh, I'm getting my first stab tomorrow. So all right. That's awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you. Um yeah, it's been a it's been a real pleasure. I'm a big fan, Jackie. So um and uh consider you to be a good friend. So thank you for You're having welcome. me. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?